Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in our study uh, that we're doing. This series is called The Ministry of Encouragement. And we have been talking about the importance of uh, this ministry. Um, we have spent uh, weeks sort of laying the foundation for the ministry, showing you its biblical foundation, that it's a ministry endorsed by, by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we've been talking about the fact that uh, it's, by and large, we think a ministry that the church has kind of dropped uh, and that we've not been very encouraging, uh, the church overall, um, that the culture that we live in is negative and fearful and needs to be encouraged now as probably as much as any time in history. We're bombarded with negative news, and we've been looking at the impact and the toll that that's taken. And that, uh, by and large, even the conversation among believers is sort of fear-based. And, and it's because we're constantly bombarded with all of the horrible, terrible things that are going to happen. And so, uh, really feeling impressed of the Lord that we're to make a difference. And I've been encouraging you to do some things along the way. Now, we've been talking about the things I'm about to talk about for months. Um, but, you know, even though we've only been in this series five weeks... And I, I will continue to bring them back up to you every week. I've asked you to start every day by being thankful for five things. And I'm hoping that you're starting to get into that habit. And if you're not, start again this week. And, and you know, one of the things I think that you could do to help, post a note on the mirror in your bathroom, as silly as that seems, that says, have you been thankful for five things yet today? Because you want to get this going first thing in the morning. Because it will change your perspective on the way that you look at life. Um, I get a kick. I'm seeing more and more people from the group doing it on Facebook. And they have fun with it and it gets kind of funny. But whatever it takes, five things that you're thankful for, do it every day. And, and it has to become a habit. Because otherwise, the bad stuff will take over and it, it ruins our perspective. And we can't encourage anyone because we're discouraged. Okay, start with that. Then... Every day, really work on trying to encourage at least two people. Every day. Two people that you can encourage. You want to do that every day. What does that look like? We're working through some of the tools now. We have some ideas we'll continue to talk about. But, you know, encourage them with your words. Uh, encourage them tweeting, texting, talking, on the phone, writing a letter, um, whatever it looks like. But two people every day. Try and encourage them. You want to have encounters with two people every day where they leave you feeling more encouraged than when they got there. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're shooting at. And then, as we started this series, I said that um, there's some scripture that I want you to memorize. And that it's a good habit to get involved in anyway. You should be memorizing scripture uh, as part of a, you know, a good, solid spiritual discipline. But that as we engage in this ministry... Um, there may be a little pushback from the enemy. You're going to need to have this particular passage of Scripture in you so the Spirit can remind you of it when uh, he needs to. And um, we're, we're, I've asked you to memorize Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, a verse at a time. So by today, if you've been doing this, you should know Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. I know it's not easy, but and it's not too late to get it. Um, the, the hardest verse of all those was verse 22. That was last week. We caught a break this week. So it wasn't so bad. But so far, you should be able to say from memory, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way opened for us through his through the curtain, which is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. So I'm, I'm, I missed up a little. I was really right on every time I did it earlier today. It must be just the pressure of being on camera, you know. But the, the idea is that there's some powerful stuff in there. And, and so for next week, you need to learn Hebrews 10.24, and this is good. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But don't forget the first few verses as you learn that one, okay? And then the following week, we got another little long one. But then you'll have it all. And it's a powerful chunk of scripture that, that you need to have into, into your spirit. So I'm encouraging you to take that on and, uh, and learn it, memorize it. And then when we're done, I would encourage you to keep up the, the spiritual discipline. Learn a verse a week. Uh, and I've, I've been laughing, you know, telling you that the next one you should learn is John 11:35. Jesus wept. Um, and I found some other two and three word ones. And I, they're, in the, they're actually in the message today. In 1 Thessalonians 5, wait, I can't read my own little tiny writing there. 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray continually. There's another one to memorize. Pretty good, eh? Uh, verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians 5 is, be joyful always. See, I think you can memorize those, can't you? Good for you guys. Okay. So we'll keep up the good work and continue to memorize. All right, so last week... Having in the first four weeks of the series said the foundation, and if you if you didn't hear any of those, I don't usually do this. I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to them. I think it's that important. I think that that this is something that the Lord is calling the church to, not just here but all over. Um, we uh, introduced what I called the encourager's truth, because you know it's the truth that sets people free, and so uh, we're we're using truth as an acronym. And we're taking five weeks now to talk about these elements of being an encourager. Last week we talked about thinking. Today we're going to talk about recognizing. Next week we'll look at understanding. Then we'll talk about talking, which you think most of us we ought to be pretty good with. And then helping. And that these are the tools of an encourager. And and so we, we started our conversation last week talking about thinking. And that though we live in the world, that we are not supposed to react to things the way that the world does because our hope is in God and, um, and because we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so we, we, we started last week um, and spent the time talking about perspective, that our perspective needs to come from the throne room of God and not from the culture. And that... This is really important to get a hold of because most of us are really influenced by the culture around us. We can't help it. It's it's because it's everywhere and it, it hits us and bombards us all the time. And yet it's not a good perspective because, as I've been talking about, the overriding Im- sort of emphasis of the culture right now is fear-based. Um, and everything is motivated by fear. And as believers, that's the worst thing to be motivated by. We're, we're to be motivated by love. Not by fear. When you're motivated by fear, you make really bad decisions. They're almost always selfish. And they're usually wrong. And so our motivation needs to be love. 
And um, we can only get that with the perspective from the throne room of God. God has a much bigger picture of things. And God is not pacing the throne room, looking at the events of the world going, didn't see that coming. He's just not doing that. And so we, we need to understand and begin to think about how God can take bad things and turn them around and begin to ask God in prayer, God, what is it that you're going to do in this? How can I not be overtaken by the fear of the culture, but how can I bring hope in a way that people can respond to? And it can't be some sort of fake. Uh, see, people don't respond to fake. So this has to be something we really get. Because we just can't pretend that everything's, you know, that we're, oh, well, be happy if, if you don't deep down believe that you have hope in the Lord. And so we, we have to begin to change our perspective. Well, going along then with the way that we think, we have to really look at the way that we see. And that's what the recognizing is all about. How we look at things. Uh, and it's, it's something that we have to work on. Again, because our thinking has been wrong, the way that we look at things has been wrong as well. And so, so there's some things that we need to talk about to help us um, recognize what God's doing, recognize people that we can encourage, and, and, and see the need around us. And the problem is, is that we are far more used to looking at things in, in very sort of self-ways, how it impacts me. And we, we have this ability, it's fascinating, to look into life and really not see much of anything else. Um, we can we can not see people that are standing right there. We can not see situations that are happening around us. We we can focus and tune them all out, and yet we miss God when we do that, because because we need to see uh, in in a different way. And so what we have to fight against first off is a problem that that most of us have is is what we'll call spiritual blindness. That 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 many of us struggle with. A spiritual blindness. Our eyes work just fine. We see just fine. Although, you know, at 50, they don't work as good as they did 10 years ago. But they're working. Thank God for that. And, you know, I mean, I can still see shapes. No, I'm teasing. I can. My distance vision is fine. I can see you very well. I just can't read anything that's close to me. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, a lot of those eye conditions are, are um, sort of good pictures of how spiritually we get tuned out. And we miss things. And, and many of us struggle with what I would call a spiritual blindness. Now, there's this verse in the scripture uh, that I wanna, I'm going to read. I, I think it's in your notes. It is. Uh, and, and I want to touch on it, but there's something in the middle of it is really what I want to get at. But it's about eyesight and seeing. It's John 9, 1 through 7. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see in that verse, because there's a lot of ways we can go with that verse. But there's something very powerful in there, because Jesus says this, um, that he's the light of the world. 
And so what happens, what's supposed to happen is this. When we meet Jesus, the light of the world, we're supposed to see things based on him being the light of the world. It's supposed to change the way that we look into the world. Before we know him, we look at the world one way. After we come to know the light of the world, we're to see the world in an entirely different way. And just like the man went and washed off the, the spit and mud on his eyes, and I often say this too, if you really feel led to pray for someone and, and somehow spitting comes into it, it better work. Um, <laughs> that's just a little heads up, okay? And, and, you know, he didn't always spit on people. It just There was a couple of times when he chose to spit on them. But, but this is one of those things. So, uh, but, but it worked. Now, there's something about this. When we come to know Christ and we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and we get baptized because that's part of what's supposed to happen, when, when that baptism is like, is like at some level being washed in the pool of Siloam, and we're to be different. There, there's something in coming to know Christ as the light of the world that's to make us different. New creations. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so we're, no longer, we're to no longer look at things from a selfish perspective, but we're to, to look at everything as illuminated by the light of the world. And so this is something that we have to work on. Because even, even though we've come to Christ, we still have to allow the Spirit of God to change us. Because we, we're not fully arrived. But now, knowing Christ, we can see things as illuminated by the light of the world. And it's to change the way that we look at the world. And so, what we have to deal with is this selfish sort of thing that we've got. And it's a very critical thing. And it brings up the second point, which is this. What is that speck? You probably know where I'm going with this. See, this negative sort of bad news culture that we've been talking about has taught us to always look for the bad in situations. And the, the, the corollary that goes along with that, we, we look for the bad in situations. We're also generally looking for the bad things in people. And it's much easier to pick out people's flaws than it is to look for good stuff. And it's this speck in your eye mentality. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, what that means is when we tend to look at people and situations we do it in a very judgmental, critical way. It's, it's just, if you, if you get honest with yourself, that's how you tend to look at things. And, and it needs to change. Because we're missing, we're, we're missing the Lord all the time because of, of this thing that we do, which is very self-focused and very selfish. And we, we need to see in a much bigger way, and we need to see things illuminated by the light of the world. And so we have to begin to really look past the surface 
of situations, which is what we tend to do, because again, fear, isolation, all those things, it makes us very surfacey. We gotta be people that look beneath the surface to see people the way that, that, that God wants us to see them, as illuminated by the light of the world. And yet, we almost always make decisions about people based on our very first impression, and it's almost always on their physical appearance. It's almost always on what we see that triggers this whole set of filters that we have about how we're going to deal with people. And the problem is, I don't know if you ever thought about this, have you ever wondered, because of that set of filters, how much you've missed because you haven't related with the people that maybe could have taught you something or shared some light with, you know, something really cool with you or, or just something dynamic that could have happened because you, you, you never look past the surface and you just tuned them right out. And, and I think we've missed it often. And so, so we need to get past this, this sort of judgmental thing and, and look at people um, illuminated by uh, the light of the world. And, and see, we can do that because... The reality is we all have these planks in our own eyes. We really, what the Jesus is saying is, how do you have time to be looking at critically other people's stuff and looking for the bad in their lives? You've got enough of your own stuff. So, so rather than judge people, we need to begin to see them as illuminated by the light of the world. And that brings up the third and final point, which is what we're hoping to do is we need to start seeing people with God's eyes. See, unless we can move into this place, we'll never really be encouragers. Because we, we'll never see what we need to see. We'll, we'll walk around spiritually blind, judgmental and critical, and miss the people. Because, because sometimes there's amazing people just underneath the surface. And yet you never get a chance to, to find out what that looks like. Because you, you've never seen them. With God's eyes. We need to be different from the culture. And we need to really go out of our way to look for the good in things. And the good in people. It's what we need to do. Now, now you know, let me say that with a caveat. There is evil in the world, and I get that. And there, there's, there's that stuff that happens. I'm not saying that we turn off our intuition entirely. But I think a lot of times we've allowed fear to keep us from looking just below the surface in people. And situations to see what's really there. And so we, we just can't stop at the superficial. We need to consider um, the whole person. And if you encounter somebody that's really angry or grumpy or hard to be around, you ever encountered anybody like that? Sure you have. Um, what we need to do is rather than just sort of tune them off, tune them out, which is what we normally do, um, we need to consider... Well, why are these people like that? What, what, what is it that, that makes them this way? And oftentimes, these are just people using those devices to keep people away from them because they're really they're, they're sort of hurting and it's a protective thing. And we don't know what their situations are and what makes them that way. But, um, see, we need to try and look past it. Now, I'm not suggesting that you, you allow mean, grumpy people to walk all over you because that's not what we're supposed to do either. What I'm saying is that rather than just write them off, um, the best thing that you can do for them is pray for them 
you know, I mean, you don't have to go up and pray, you know, because that, that would just make them worse, most likely. Um, you begin to pray for them and, and look for ways to encourage them. Don't respond to them the way they expect you to respond to them. Because somehow you're just filling their whole deal. So they come at you mean and grumpy, and your natural tendency is, when you get a chance, give it right back. And that's what they expect, and it just fits in with their pattern. Rather than do that, do something different. Here's a cookie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something different, see, that they're not expecting. And they, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know what will take place because you encourage people. And, and yet it will never happen if we can't start seeing them with God's eyes. You, God loves people. Do you know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves people. He wants everybody to have a chance to come into relationship with him forever. He's made the way in Christ. It's up to people to respond. And he desperately wants them to respond. And, and you know what he uses to make that happen? You and me. He uses us. We're, we're it. We're the hope. We express the hope of the Lord to the world. And if we don't do it, they don't get it. We're, we're it. We're the plan. Seems like a faulty plan, but we're it. We're the plan. He's always had the plan. He started with a group of fishermen and tax collectors. And they were the plan. And they've given it to us. We're it. We're the plan. And so if we don't engage in it, we can't help. And we can't do it fearful and isolated and and shut down. The only way we can make a difference in the world is to be engaged in it. To care. To be involved. To see with God's eyes. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord says to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance or his height, for I rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. See, and, and that's what he sees. Guess what we need to start seeing? We need to see people at a heart level, not at the outward appearance level, not, not on the outside. Um, when we begin to do this, and, and you start by being willing and asking God to help you to do it, um, you will begin to recognize the need that people have to be encouraged. And, and Paul gives us some insight into the attitude of an encourager, and it's, it's his last verse in 1 Thessalonians five fifteen through 18. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Now I'm going to tie in that kid's verse that we have. <laughs> Why do you say, Lord, Lord, <laughs> and then not do what I say? That was quite a verse, wasn't it, that we taught the kids? Let me read this again. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. See, and, and yet that's what we're conditioned to do, aren't we? Somebody treats us bad, we treat them bad back. Or we just write them off. And, and yet we, we miss opportunities. Always try. To be kind to each other and to everyone else. Always try. It says try. That means to me, Paul gets it. Sometimes you, you may not quite pull it off. But you need to keep trying. Sometimes you won't be kind. And you learn from it. There have been many times in my life when the response that I've given someone was not the correct response. And I've, I'm hopefully learning from it. And, and now I try and go back and say, I'm sorry. And having done that for a while... 
Now I often try and hold my response for a little while, especially if I know it's sarcastic, because that's usually the place that I err. And I'll just, mm, I, it's really what I want to say, and it'd probably feel really good to say that right now. And I would have some momentary, yeah. <laughs> but then the Lord would say to me, really? <laughs> oh, I have to go back and make it right. It's much better to hang on to it. And, and, and then say the right thing, see? So, so we need to try, and I want everybody to try, be kind to each other and to everyone else. That means we're kind to each other in here and everywhere else. We're kind. See, that's tied into this whole encouraging thing. If you're not kind, you won't care about people. Kindness is love in action. Encouragement is in that same spot. Be joyful always. That's tricky, I know. Pray continually. Should be doing that. Give thanks in all circumstances. Remember, that's a... Tricky for it doesn't say for all circumstances because you couldn't do that because there are some horrible things that happen. He's not saying or suggesting that you need to be thankful for terrible things, but he's saying in situations we can learn to be thankful because God takes situations and does things with them. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is people always ask me what's God's will for me. Well, here's one of those verses speaks it right there. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Be thankful. In all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the attitude we need to develop as encouragers. This comes as we start with our perspective and then, and as we get our perspectives right, lined up with the Word of God, seeing with God's eyes and not out of the judgment, criticism, blindness that we've been looking with. So it starts there. So, look, I want to encourage you. Um, as you're being thankful for everything, and as you're looking around for who you're going to encourage, ask God to start helping you see needs and people in ways that you haven't before. Maybe, maybe ask Him to show you those people that are really hard to deal with in your life, how you can pray for them, what, what, what maybe you can do that's different instead of just paying back wrong for wrong or just completely writing them off. Maybe there's something there. Ask God for those things, and that's... The second part of the encourager's truth, recognizing the things that are happening with the Lord's eyes. Amen? Amen. If you're watching my video, thank you very much. If you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Uh, If you're just watching the video and you need anything, you can call us or email us or write us. We'll do whatever we can for you. But we're glad that you spent this time with us. We're going to pray here tonight. And then uh, we'll...